his hand. Amen. Another great reminder and a great promise for us. He hideth my soul. Well, appreciate your faithfulness to give. Ask you to continue to do so. And it is how the work of God continues uh, here in all of our missionary efforts. And ask you to continue to be faithful with your tithes uh, and offerings. Uh, the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Richard, come pray as we receive the Lord's offering tonight. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your goodness, dear God. And, uh, we know everything that we have, dear God, is but by your grace. Lord God, we're thankful for that. And we ask for your blessing on uh, the offering. Uh, may it be used for your honor and glory. Please bless the uh, gift and the giver, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Excellent, excellent job, Kylie. Appreciate that. If you'll turn in your Bible uh, tonight to Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, and it'll also be on the screen uh, this evening, and we'll stand at this time, those who are able, 
We'll be reading Romans 6 and verse 23. If I could just mention, uh, those of you who have teenagers this Thursday uh, evening at 5 o'clock, it'll be the uh, last time that we'll have an opportunity to uh, pass out and put out door hangers. Uh, The teens have done a phenomenal job the last few weeks helping on Thursday evening. It'll be at Thursday at 5 o'clock until the evening service, and we'll stop at McDonald's on the way back to the church. So if you have a teenager, I encourage you. uh, There's several apartment complexes uh, we're going to be trying to hit this Thursday in Newburgh. Uh, Even if you have um, children down in the 5th or 6th grade, they are welcome to come as well. And uh, we can definitely, the more uh, people there, the faster we can Uh, in more apartments we can hit. So I do encourage you to have your teenager um, or your child, even if they're in fifth or sixth grade, uh, come Thursday evening. If you're looking at Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, I'll read, and you can follow along. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for Uh, the great day you've given to us here in church and for the uh, great sermon that we were able to hear from your word this morning. I pray you just prepare our hearts this evening. I thank you for those who have come back and thank you for uh, your love to us. Thank you for all you've done for us. In your name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Precious blood of 
sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. that's all any of us are, is just sinners. Sometimes we get trapped into thinking that all of us or some of us are something, and we are something, and that is sinners. You know, it's a, it's a wonder that God loves any of us. I marvel. I, I know I say it often, but it's so true. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't typically think a lot about other people who may be away from God in the regard that at least I'm not like them, because I just wonder why it is that God even puts up with me. I'm thankful that he does. Don't misunderstand me. I'm very grateful. But... Man, you know, when the Bible says it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. That's for each and every one of us. That's for for all of us. And uh, it is the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Well, you you really can't mess that thought up in that song. So anyway, that was uh, well done, guys. I believe we'll be done tonight with this series. I, you know, I don't really apologize. Uh, we've been at it for three months, but 
the but God moments in the Bible, they so resonate because it's, they're strong and profound statements about who he is and what he does. And uh, I think it's good for us to, to examine them. And, uh, but Lord willing, we'll, we'll complete it tonight. That is my intent. So uh, I know I said that last week, but it was your all's fault. You were listening so well. And so uh, nonetheless, let's jump right in and ask the Lord for some help tonight. Lord, would you help us? Would you, again, please guide and direct our words and our thoughts? We desperately need you. All of us do. Nobody here tonight uh, came in with any other uh, really thought, perhaps, other than we need you. And Lord, would you help meet every need? There's hurts here that need healed. There's wounds that need, uh, Lord, the the salve from heaven. And Lord, there's sins that need forgiven. And there's a strength that needs restored. And God, along the way, the only thing we know is that uh, we can't do any of it without you. And we ask that you would especially help all of us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. He is loving. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners. Could you ever preach on that too much? Some might say, well, okay, I, I get it. Really? Do you get it? I mean, could you ever say it too much? Do you ever weary of a spouse who tells you they love you? Does a child ever, I wish I could tell my dad once more. Don't you? I, I, I you know, uh, when my dad or mom would say, I don't ever say to Tony when she tells me she loves me. I don't ever say, you already said that. I don't, I, don't ever, I don't ever say that. I don't ever think that. When she prepares another great meal or uh, takes care of something or brings me a Diet Coke, um, we have not had one in seven days. And so it's, I'm like on edge. In fact, I'm ready to crawl away. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't ever, uh, I'm glad for that. And God is loving, and those are all small scale in the big league of God loves us. But God commendeth his love toward us. Then he's merciful. He puts up with a lot of our stuff. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, he forgives. How important that is. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? The Pharisees even spoke the truth in their denial of Christ. He offers redemption. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. He was offered for sin. But this man, after he had offered (coughs) one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He resurrects, the Bible tells us, but God raised him from the dead. He is faithful. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. The Bible reminds us in Genesis, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. God is uniquely equipped to make good out of bad. The Bible tells us in Psalm, he, but God is the judge, and our point would be he alone is judge. Philippians, Paul writes to the church, but my God shall supply all your need, and that is he supplies. Sometimes when our, it looks like our... Um, cruise of oil is waning, uh, whether it's literally in the physical sense or spiritually speaking, 
And God always does supply. Then we see that he continues ever from the Hebrews, we read, but this man continueth ever, hath an unchangeable uh, priesthood. But God forbid that I should glory, and that is God forbids shared glory. Then it brings us to our last thought, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God always, uh, man, there's a, there's a song, um, I used to watch a church with regularity um, on Sunday afternoons. My wife will smile at this because she would remember, and I would watch their broadcasts, and they could really get with it in their services. They were a church in Lexington, Kentucky, which was about an hour and a half north of us. And while the preacher would preach, there was a lady on the organ. And she would, sometimes, it was almost, I don't know if they coordinated it or synced it in any way, but, um, but she'd hit that organ just right while he was preaching. He preached with a, almost like a, a you know, sometimes you'll see someone with a handkerchief, he literally preached with a towel up on the pulpit. I don't know that I've ever seen, the guys told me this morning, they said, Pastor, you were all over the place today. We had a hard time following with the camera. I might have been. I don't even even know. But uh, this guy would preach with this towel right here, and I've never seen a guy lather as much sweat in a sermon as this guy. Literally, I mean, he was drenched. And uh, from time to time, he would sing while he preached. And he would sing a song that I had never heard before. But I've never forgotten at least the phrases that he would give, and that is, he's an on-time God. I wish I could sing like it, but I I couldn't. Um, He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Well, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time because he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. You notice these but God moments that we've been covering throughout the last few weeks, God always is on time. And the Bible jumps right on us with the book of Romans there in chapter number 3, for the wages of sin is death, but right on time, but the gift of God is eternal. You know, if, if you stopped right there, it would be so, so imposing and foreboding, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And so we see very clearly that God is a giver. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right in to where we left off last week and uh, from Romans chapter number 8. And uh, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip some of what we covered last week because I want to move on very, very quickly. Uh, on the screen there in front of you from Romans 8, 31 through, <coughs> through 39, what shall we then say to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. All, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is a giver. So the first thing we see is that God is for us. The second thing we see in verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That is God that justifieth. He justifies. That means he makes it as if you never sinned. He removes it and places your sin and iniquity upon the back of his son. He justifies. Following verse, verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And God is our interceder going on our behalf. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? 
As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God freely gives us all things. And one of the things is the guarantee of victory. Man, that's a... It doesn't matter how bad things go, whether you get bad news or whether things are turning against you. As, you know, Jacob makes the statement, all these things are against me when he finds out that he's got to head to Egypt now to pursue the son that has been kept there. But he doesn't realize it might look like everything is against you, but understanding this, God is always working on your behalf. My wife and I, we were out making a visit this week, and we were talking to a family that was struggling with some things. And I, I told them this, and I've said it so many times that, Sometimes I still yet even have to remind myself, and I told them this. I said, understand this, God is always working on your behalf. He, never, he is never idle. Sometimes you may think, I'm facing this alone, or I'm, I'm on my own, but the Bible reminds us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And so times when you feel like, man, nobody, I, I'm going down, I'm, I, 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 I'm sinking. It's like Peter, when he steps out on the water, seemed like a good, it's one of those seems like a good idea at the moment. And he steps out on the water and he begins to sink, but he at least has enough sense to not be eloquent with his prayer, but forward with it. And he says, Lord, save me. And then boom, he's immediately recovered. And so we understand God says, uh, you have victory. Then we see a little further, and I hustle into Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. He gives peace and he gives an expected end. In other words, uh, it'll be okay. And I don't know I don't know anybody's particular situation necessarily tonight, but I do feel led to say this. I don't know what's happening right now in your life, but I know this, it's going to be okay. And you might think, well, man, no, it's not. All is, uh, I think it was Edward Gibbon, the historian, uh, Edward Gibbon, uh, World War II, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember, but, but he passed away and he was, uh, he was an agnostic. He did not believe in God. But he was another one of those individuals that God pulled the blinders back, I think, in the waning moments of his life. And uh, his last words were, all is dark and doubtful. What for me? What for me? Man, can you imagine going through life that way? God says, but I have an expected end for you as a child of God. You don't have to go through life that way. Because even though it may seem like, man, I, I, I just wish it, it doesn't seem like I can, I can break through and I can make any headway. I, I'm, it's one step forward, but I'm taking two back. So in other words, I'm losing ground. Uh, but it's never that way for the child of God. It may seem that way, but understand this, God has the best plan for you in your life and an expected end. Then uh, let me say this. He says, uh, thoughts of peace and then we see the contrast of that in Isaiah 48, 22, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the, unto the wicked. So what is it that God gives us? Well, we know that God gives us peace. What are those many things? Romans, said, Romans chapter 8 there said, shall he not freely give us all things? One of those things is peace. When you pillow your head at night, you may not know what's going to happen the next day, but you know this, you know who has the next day. Jesus said in the the Gospel of John, he said, it's not peace that the world has. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now this he says to the disciples, um, and remember, he's told them, I'm leaving you. 
Well, that's not the best news they'd ever heard. It wasn't what they expected. It wasn't what they hoped for. They thought he was going to establish a kingdom, boom, and they were going to immediately take over and uh, uh, bring back uh, uh, the kingdom in such a way. And Jesus Christ was the Moshiach. He was the Messiah. He was the King of Kings. And everything was going to be restored, and this was going to be awesome. And he said, no. He said, I'm going to die. And that's why they argued with him so vehemently. But he said, listen, he said, even though I'm leaving, understand this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm giving you peace, not like the world gives. Nothing worse than a counterfeit. Nothing worse than a phony. It's like, uh, here I am on Diet Coke again. It's like going through the drive through at McDonald's. And you go through and you order Diet Coke. And uh, you, you, you pull out, you get on the highway. Worse is on the freeway because then there's nothing you could do about it. But you, <clears throat> you pull out on the freeway there, and uh, I'm getting thirsty just thinking about it. I've got, uh, uh, I'm like a cat. I got a big hairball or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Only time in my life I'd ever say that I'm like a cat. But uh, I'm slick like one. But anyway, um, you guys are a tough crowd. Come on now, stay with me. If you don't start laughing, we're going to be here all night. I'm telling you. But you pull into McDonald's drive-thru, get out on the interstate, you take a set, you know, you, boy, you just, you're tasting it. You know, you've ordered it, you are tasting it. You ever, you ever done that? You know what I'm talking about. And it, even if it's not Diet Coke, you say, Diet Coke's not my thing. Maybe it's a cheesy gordita crunch wrap. I've never had one, but I've seen them, you know, and I, I was with someone the other day, and they said, I'll have a cheesy gordita crunch wrap or whatever, or they were talking with someone who was going to, but whatever it is, and you pull up, and you, and you don't get what you wanted. That's such a disappointment. So you take a sip out of that thing, and you've just been tasting it all the way. You're like, your, your taste buds are just, you know, they're, ting, ting, they're all over the place. You just know this is Diet Coke, and then you take a sip of it. It's root beer. And root beer is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's, I mean, it's not terrible. But, you know, you put your lips on that straw, and you just, you went for, man, I'm going to take this baby down in two gulps, man. I mean, you just, and you go, whoa. It, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like it was toxic, but it wasn't what you wanted. And so it was phony. It was a counterfeit. It's like, it's like uh, going to a restaurant. There, there was a restaurant not far from where we were in Indiana, and they served it. There was a beverage company called Swan L. Adam, you remember that? Swan L. And Swan L was, was like, it was not, uh, you, you know, and you go to, uh, what, what's the name of Walmart's cola? What is it? Sam's, Sam's Choice. Now, nothing against Sam Walton, and may he rest in peace if he knew the Lord he is. But nonetheless, that's not Diet Coke. I know it's a lot cheaper, and I know you're saving a lot of money, and, and you, can, you can say, look at all the money I'm saving, but it's not what you want it to be. So I was at a restaurant, my wife and I, we were at this steakhouse and ordered a Diet Coke, and they brought this out, and I thought, that's not Diet Coke, it's, it's not even remotely like Diet Coke. It, it, it's not even saying, when I grow up, I want to be Diet Coke. I mean, it's just, it's not even in the same arena. And then I looked at the bottom of the menu, because they brought that out. We said, said what you wanted to drink. And I look at the bottom of, of the menu, and it says, beverages by Swanel. S-W-A-N-E-L. I'm not making this up. I'm telling the truth, right? Swanel. And I thought, that is such a fabrication. It is not a Diet Coke. And you are looking for the right thing. Now, you say, why is that significant? Well, it is because I'm talking about Diet Coke. 
But I'll tell you why it's significant. Because the world seeks the world's peace. You see, I, I'm going to be able to find peace. God says, I, I'm going to give you peace, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. In other words, mine's legit. That's what God says. God says that every gift that I give you, it's a real deal. There's nothing phony. There's nothing like, I, I, I didn't get my order. Or, you know, I, I asked for this, and, and this is what I got. God says, I don't work that way. God says, I can give you peace. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth you. And so understand that, God says, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. You say, why is that? Maybe one of the reasons the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. That's a profound verse. God is angry with the wicked every day. And if there's anybody on whose bad side you, you do not wish to fall, it would be God. I mean, that's a no-brainer. But he says, that crowd, I'm angry with them. Every, every day they draw breath, I'm angry at them. Well, if anything, it behoove us to not want to be wicked. So what does God give us? He gives us peace. It's one of the gifts that he gives us. And when you pillow your head tonight, knowing this, everything is in the Lord's hands. That's a peace that the world can't give. You can't find that in whatever they want to offer, whatever, however phony and counterfeit it is. They'll tell you, well, there's peace in money. They'll tell you there's peace in pleasure. They'll tell you there's peace in things and in this and in, in uh, the accolades and rewards and recognition. But that's not what God says. God says the world will do everything they can to try to counterfeit it, but it's not what God has to offer. The second thing God gives us is he gives joy. Now, may I say this a little bit about joy? First of all, joy is a choice that you have to make. You say, what do you mean? Everybody, listen to me. Everybody in here, if you're a child of God tonight, you have no reason to be in the dumps. None of us. Come on now, don't leave me hanging there saying, yeah, I do preach. Hey, listen, you're not going to hell. I, you, you say, you haven't seen my bank account. Well, your bank account may be there, but you're not. Okay? You might say, well, you don't understand what my life is like. I know this. If you do not have joy tonight, it is not through the fault of the Savior. David said to his father, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. In other words, could you give me that back? Because he knew where it came from. David had everything. I mean, he had the crooners singing Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his ten thousands. I mean, when he put on his Beats by Dre, his earbuds, or whatever he was using, I guarantee he hit that over and over again. David, had, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Those are the earbuds I use when I run. But anyway, so when he, when he hit those, it was Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. And man, instantly, he heard that. But he said, that's not joy, and the joy is gone because of my sin, because of my drifting away from God. So he cries out in that penitent prayer. He said, Lord, I need that back. One of the reasons was because he had drifted from God. He had pursued a path of sin. He'd covered up that sin. He had had, uh, uh, of course, the sin with Bathsheba. He had tried to cover it up by sending Uriah uh, home and, and then sent him out of the battle. He lost his life, and the joy was gone. And you know when the joy leaves our lives? Always, without fail, when we drift from God's plan. Uh, this morning, I had an entire section of our morning message, and I didn't even cover it. 
But one of the things I was talking about was um, the repentant. There are two things that change in his life. We talked about the three crosses. If you were here this morning, we talked about his heart. The second thing, which I totally skipped for sake of time, was the habits that change in the individual who accepts the repentant cross and trusts the redemptive cross. And, and one of the things that I think we find that goes out the window is the moment we pursue the pleasures of sin or the profit from a, ch- a choice that differs or is contrary to the Word of God. We decide, well, I know what God says about this, but I'm going to choose another path. You'll never have joy. You never will. Because anytime you go against the Word of God, you say, well, I'm going to go against the Word of God because I'm entitled. I'm going to go against the Word of God because I've put up with it long enough. I'm going to go against the Word of God because I feel like I, I'm at the point of no return. I have, I have no choice. Don't expect the joy that God can only give to accompany a decision that violates the Word of God. Don't ever expect People say, well, I'm going to do this because it's what I want to do. That's, that's fine, and I'm not going to argue that. I'll simply say, you can't get joy out of what this world has to offer. You can't get peace out of what the world counterfeits and tries to give you. Every time you'll be ordering, I'm not trying to throw Swan L under the bus because they may still be in business. And may, who knows? Their business may be booming back in the Midwest. But I'll tell you this, it's not the real thing. And if you're looking for peace and joy, God says, those are mine. In other words, it'd be like this. Sometimes parents will talk about their children, and a child will misbehave and do something, anything, and usually we're more disappointed when our children just misbehave in front of people because we always want people to think the best of us. Come on, I'm the same way. You know, our children, our children have never done that until the one time they do it in public. And then what do we say? She didn't get that from me. Do you know what God could say? Hey, listen. Listen to this. Think about this for a moment. Could God say to you right now about your spirit, about your heart, could he look at you and say, I'm your father, but you didn't get that from me? You say, why? Because I give good things. God could say, I don't give attitudes. I don't give bitterness. I don't give hurt. I don't give anger. I don't give malice. Come on, help me out here. He said, I freely give things, but those are not in my inventory. I I don't show up to your house and say, man, today for you, Andy, I've got a boatload of bitterness. It doesn't mean that he wasn't hurt or wronged at some point in life. God says, you did not get that from me. Because he said, the only thing that I give is good things. Do you understand when he said, if your father loves you and knows to give you bread or fish and not a serpent, how much more then your heavenly father? I think many times, stay with me now, we as God's children Take things from a counterfeit God in spite of the true Father that we genuinely have. Because He's loading us up on all of those things, and God says, No, 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 you didn't get that from me. So if we walk around burdened down with a weight and load of sin, you didn't get that from Him. 
See, how do you know that? Because he contrasts himself from the devil. And he, he reminds us he, in John chapter 10, he says, uh, he says, let me tell you why I came. And then John 10, 10, he says, let me see if I pull it up here. There it is. The thief, speaking about the devil, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But that's not me. I am come that you might have life, that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. So what does he give? He gives joy. He gives peace. He gives hope. The Bible reminds us, man, I, I can't imagine hope. Hope. You know, uh, forgive me for sharing a, a bit of the story again with Rebecca, but I, I remember one of the surgeons that was helping her very early. Um, and he said one of the greatest things that children have that adults don't as much is he said children, particularly dealing with cancer and, of course, pediatric cancer. We were asking, you know, why is it that, uh, that children typically will seem to to do better with certain cancers than adults do. You know, if, if, if you're my age and the doctor diagnoses you, me, with liver cancer, we know what everybody in here is thinking. And we're not going to say it, but it's the elephant in the room that we'd all be thinking probably doesn't have long. But when she was diagnosed with liver cancer, and that's, that's how everybody else was interpreting it, But I remember him saying this. He said, children have something that adults over time lose, and that's hope. They always believe it's going to be better. They just believe that. Rebecca learned to walk with two IV poles. We got pictures of her walking down the hallway with two tubes in her chest, bouncing And you know what? Smiling. Like, this is my life today, but it won't always be like this because I have hope. Let me ask you something. What happened to your hope? Because God only gives hope. The thief comes to rob. Do you know what he robs? Everything that God gives, He wants to take. And so if I can, the devil, I want to take away your peace. But God says, that's my peace. I'm the one who gave that to you. And the devil comes along and says, I'm going to steal it. I don't want you to have it. I want you to rest well at all. I want you to toss and turn every single night. I want the anguish of, of life and the hardships and disappointments. I want them to weigh so heavy upon you. And the, then God, our Father, could look at each and every one of us and say, you didn't get that from me because I've been giving out peace to everyone who asked for it. That's me. The devil comes along. He says, let me take your peace. Then he comes along. He says, let me take your joy. I I won't belabor the story, but I'm still reminded of the lady who said to me, are you happy? I said, yes. She said, tell your face. I've thought about it so many times over the years. Sometimes even the best of us as God's people, sometimes we can walk through and we look like we have the weight of the world upon our shoulders. We're not carrying anything. God took all of it. He He said, I didn't come. 
I, I wanted you to have life, but I didn't want you to just exist. I didn't just want you to make it today. I, I didn't want you to just somehow figure out, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can survive another week. That's not the MO for the child of God. It, it is not, uh, I, I don't know how I'm, I'm hanging on, but I'm just barely hanging on. God says, you didn't get that from me. Because your entire existence, you have been the center of God's love and devotion. And every single person in here who claims the name of Christ, he says, peace I give unto you. Not like the world has. It's not phony. It's not temporary. It's not counterfeit. And the devil comes along and says, give me that. I want you restless. I want you moody. I want you unhappy. I want you angry. I want you depressed. I want you bitter. I want you constantly thinking about what you don't have. And God says, you didn't get that from me. Then he comes along and he says, I want to give you joy. And you see some people genuinely who walk around. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart to stay. Then you get, a, you get the crazy part. And I'm so happy. We used to sing it on the bus and the guys would go crazy. And if I was the one driving, I could, there's no telling what was going on. And we sing that. Why is it that a five-year-old can sing that song and go nuts? And, and I'm not telling you we're going to break out in song in a moment and sing it. But I would say this, for a lot of God's people, it wouldn't hurt from time to time to say, I've got the joy that God gave me. I got a text from a gentleman today, and he's battled a number of things in his life, but he, but he told me, he said, thank you for the message this morning. He said, it reminded me of the time, the first time I turned from my sin and trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You can't get that any place else but God. And so God says, that joy, that peace, that contentment, it doesn't come from any place else, and the devil wants to rob you every single time. You know what some of us have done? We've let him do it. And so we walk around, and I'm not angry at you. We come to church. Just kind of making it through. And, and we'll be back again, and well, we should. And we leave, and we get up tomorrow morning, and we struggle to read our Bible because we're not sure it's helping anyway. And we worry about praying because I have prayed so much. And heard nothing. Because all of those seeds of hope. And all of those seeds of peace. And all of those seeds of joy. Are no different. Than when Jesus sowed the seeds of faith. In the peril of, of the sower. The Bible says that he came by. You remember that? And he removed them. 
And that's what's happening to some of us. If you leave tonight without hope for whatever you're facing, let the words of the Savior echo to you, if I could express it plainly. You didn't get that from Him. If you wake up tomorrow and you're struggling for that peace because of uncertainty, because of trouble, understand this. He says, my peace is not that way. My peace I give you. And that joy that you sometimes see in the delight of a child or a new Christian who understands what it means to be forgiven for the first time in their life. That's what God gives. The devil, every time those seeds are sown, what about those hurts? What about those wounds? What about that anger? What about that hypocrite? What about that wrong? And there goes joy, and there goes peace, and there goes hope. Not because God didn't give it, because we didn't let it take root. When you leave church tonight, remember this. God is a giver. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. God is a giver, not a taker. And everything He gives is good. It's good. Are you with me? Shall we stand? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I often say that an invitation is an opportunity for us to respond to what God has expressed to us. What is it that you need to do tonight? I don't have to go through a list. You know if there's anything God wants you to do. Will you be mindful of that? Lord, bless in the invitation. Help us to mind you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God's spoken to you tonight. Would you come? Just very, very quickly. You say, boy, there's, there's something I really need from the Lord. And maybe it is that peace. Maybe it is that joy. Maybe it is that hope. Think about that chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sing it with me. Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace. Some are still praying. 
I hope you mind the Lord. You're certainly welcome to pray there at your seat, but I always encourage people to make a move to God.